Hello and welcome back to Practicing Human, the podcast where every day we're getting a little better at life. I'm your host, Corey Mascara, and in today's episode we are going to talk about the dark side of positive habits. More to come on that in a moment. First, let's settle in together with the sound of the bells. So, before going into this, let me just apologize if I sound congested. I am on the upswing of recently having COVID, so I'm still not 100% yet. But I did want to come on here and elaborate on a text I sent in our text community the other day, where I said, positive habits, like reading books or listening to podcasts, can be cleverly disguised defense mechanisms that help us avoid meeting our deeper wounds. While this was met with appreciation by many people, there were also a lot of people who were either confused by this or frustrated by it, thinking that it was pushing back against positive routines or doing good things for yourself. And that's not the intention. As many of you know, I am a big fan of things like reading books or listening to podcasts and all different forms of personal growth, and very much intrigued by and encourage doing things that are nourishing and pleasurable and making space for that in your life. However, sometimes these positive things, especially when they are positive type habits or things that have a certain virtue attached to them, such as reading a book or listening to a a good podcast, maybe like this one. You know, these things you would never really judge a person for and you wouldn't really judge yourself for. It's like I'm doing something good for myself. Yes. However, we always have to look at what is the energy behind doing that activity rather than just the activity itself. And a lot of times when there is a pain or wound or something uncomfortable in us that is hard to be still with or tough to feel or in some way we're subconsciously avoiding, one of the ways that we can continue to avoid that is by doing these positive type habits that on some level are nourishing us and maybe helping us grow and learn. But on another level, they're also helping us hover above or distract ourselves from or procrastinate from actually going into and making space for and doing healing work around something that's deeper or more painful or that's unresolved in our system. And you can see this in an acute way, you know, if there's some grief that we're navigating, or hurt, or breakup, we might just try to flood ourselves with something positively distracting, like a book. And this, you know, the utility of this is up for to our own discernment, meaning that sometimes if there's just too much too soon to process that having some healthy distraction can be useful. I'll be the first 
to say that you do not need to flood your system or open up to all of your pain all at once. I'm just more interested in you having consciousness around how you're using different strategies. So acute events are one thing, but another thing that happens often over a a longer period of time is within the self-help, personal growth space, and even the spiritual growth space, is that we can really get consumed with the learning about something rather than the doing of it. We romanticize what the thing is and romanticize our own growth and really have a lot of fun thinking about it and getting the next book and getting the next to do but never actually descend to do the real work and when it's time to do that we might feel a little uncomfortable or it's like oh wait now I just need to read one more thing or let me read that book and that and almost like this sense of then it will open up or then I'll know what to do but usually it's just this this barrier of discomfort that we don't want to touch into or we don't want to feel that kind of keeps us just circulating at this upper level of uh, give me more learn more or in this case I'm talking about like educating yourself which who's going to fault you for that but again you have to look at the energetics behind it and why am I doing it Is it because it is pulling me forward and is a genuine inspiration? Or is it also a subtle defense against having to actually take action on something or feeling a deeper pain and doing the real work around healing that, meeting that, showing up for it with compassion or meeting with a therapist? And so it's just something to keep in mind. Again, it just because you do these things, it does not mean it's wrong. I do all of them and I do them in abundance. And I sometimes do them in a less functional way, in a more dysfunctional way, meaning I'm doing them because I'm avoiding something that I really need to do or I'm avoiding the thing that those things are pointing to. And I think I just, let me just listen to it one more time. Or I'm avoiding because I don't want to be still and feel something that's painful and it just feels easier to burrow into a book or learn something or listen and listen to music so you just check with yourself it's good to have this awareness and notice how these things can be a distraction or a form of avoidance against the deeper thing that really needs to be addressed perhaps at some point so that's all for today as a reminder i am running my first ever public training on how to lead a meditation And so if this is a topic you're interested in, maybe you are in the workplace and you want to run meditation for your colleagues, maybe you're a parent, you want to teach it to your kids, maybe you're a mental health professional and you want to offer it to your clients, your patients, then this is the first of its kind that I'm offering. It's a day-long workshop that uh, you don't need to attend live for because it will be recorded and you'll have full access to that and the teaching resources. But it's on Saturday, November 19th, 9 to 5. And I'm going to be going into all of my insights over the last 10 years of teaching, specifically around how to hold space and structure a guided meditation, how to talk about mindfulness in a very practical and engaging way, how to facilitate discussion after a meditation, and all of the the subtle details that you 
often might not realize go into structuring a meditation. Often when you're on the receiving end of it, it, it might seem fairly basic, but I am filtering every single word I say and, and choosing how I say it quite deliberately. And now that my meditations have been heard it's over 25 million times in over 150 countries, I have gotten a lot of feedback from that and I've learned what works and what doesn't work. And there's just been a lot of insight that has developed over the years. And so if you're interested in my thoughts on it, uh, I'd love to have you there. I'm also going to be doing a deep dive into my usual keynote presentation that I do for companies and schools uh, so you can get a sense of how I structure talking about this work to an audience that might not have any familiarity or even interest in it in a way that's designed to engage them uh, while also honoring the depth of this practice. So you can learn more about this at the link in the show notes. I'd love to have you there. Again, you do not need to attend live if you're interested in the training um, but are not available. And there's a lot more about this workshop at the link. So I encourage you to go there. I created a video on it for you to learn more. But um, this is the first time I'm offering something like this publicly. So if you would like the training, this is the opportunity. Thank you all so much. Lots of love. Thank you for your practice and take care.